that's what you want, isn't it? You want to make change in other people's lives. You want your death to have meaning, a purpose, and a move in how your, your greatest attributes to be soaked up by those who loved you. And that's how you're going to ripple. And you could only hope that you can come to a place of gratitude for those you lose. That you can move past the sadness to, to honor it and just love. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 121, The Raw Honey, a Beacon Series conversation featuring Corey Hahn, author of Rituals of the Soul, using the eight principles of yoga to create a modern and meaningful life, published by New World Library. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Have you ever had to reinvent yourself to start again? Did you find that there was a process of letting go, of unlearning, as you started to embrace the changes that came with your rebirth? Sometimes it's difficult to use the pieces of our existing life as the compost for new growth, and it can often seem haphazard and clumsy. But with a fair amount of right effort and right attention, plus some helpful advice and guidance along the way, it's possible to build something new, whole, and more familiar and comfortable than we'd likely imagined possible. In this episode of Find the Good News, I visit with Corey Hahn, author of the new book, Rituals of the Soul, using the eight principles of yoga to create a modern and meaningful life, published by New World Library. In her book and through our conversation, Corey shares the textured and rich accounts of her own journey while imparting important yogic wisdom in a digestible and engaging format I'd not yet experienced. What I found in Corey was someone who has searched for meaning and found it, even in the face of great personal loss. Reborn with a passionate personal calling to help others find, cultivate, and embrace the sacred rituals evident in their own lives. Where they do not seem to exist, she shows how to create them, then lovingly encourages us to do so. Now, take a look at your life just as it is, with all its twists and bends, all of its ordinary colors and tones, and prepare to discover anew the raw and extraordinary sacred hiding in plain sight. Then tune your attention to this good news beacon and press play on a little good news. Wake up this morning, dreaming up the story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance in a holy Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you want to shut those signals down and seek a better source. With my Find the Good News Beacon series, I tune into good people doing good works wherever I can find them. I scan across the full spectrum of life, seeking out human beings that have turned their dials towards helping others, aligning their time, resources, and talents with goodness, justice, mercy, and love. In each episode, I sync up with the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have dynamic conversations that invigorate the mind long after our transmission has ended. I discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of background noise in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm cutting through the static to find the good. I love you just as well. 
I'm fascinated mainly by your story. I didn't really know what I was getting into with your book. You know, I'm familiar with some of the concepts, but what I loved the most was the stories about your experiences that are in the book. I was just my imagination was running wild. Like I was just painting the textures of all the scenes. I mean, you really did such a good job in your book of of telling those stories and being honest about what you were facing, what you were challenged with and how you worked through it. I don't know. It was just really interesting because I, I guess I kept, maybe we all do this, but uh, I kept relating it to personal experience, you know, something that would happen in my own life. And I'd go, Oh, that I get this or, Oh, I, I can almost stand in your shoes for a moment and see what you saw. I just love, love that. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank you. I love that (laughs) too. That sounded so good. I love it. Thank you. Well, you, there was a, in the beginning, I want to start by saying the name of the book. I don't do like a traditional format. I always warn everybody the train leaves the station and we're like on this (laughs) blind date and uh, it just kind of rolls along. And that's what I, that's what my audience is used to. So I always warn them. I'm like, if I just, if we truck on and I don't cover everything, pull me back, you know, because I'm like, Hey, I didn't even say the name of your book, but I'm going to do that this time. (laughs) The name of the book that we're talking about is rituals of the soul. And if you don't mind, uh, if you could just introduce yourself to my audience, yeah. uh, that way they know who I'm talking to before we really start trucking along. Right. Yes. Thank you. And um, so my name is Corey Hahn, and uh, I have recently written my first book, and in it I explain um, how to use yoga, all of the eight steps of yoga. But I also, as um, you said before take people really on a journey uh, journeys that I've taken and uh, a lot of travel experiences and, and different situations I found myself in and how I've used yoga and really try to bring it into a modern perspective so everyone can use it and see how powerful it is and nice to have a system or like an art of living if you will so that's um that's what I'm here doing today <laughs> spreading the message about this piece of work that took me a while to get to this point and so uh, what a celebration yeah yeah thank you and before this um, book kind of started taking over I was uh, running yoga retreats around the world uh, surf and yoga and yeah. I lived in abroad in the developed world for the past seven years before that I lived in Alaska for 12 really um, off the grid a lot um, out in the bush in the wilderness and the native communities and, and had a really out there 20s different than many people spend their 20s that's for sure <laughs> sure sure that honestly and, just was right out the gate in the book i went oh man i'm in all the way right there when you started talking about the alaska experience i was like okay i didn't expect this at all you know i mean i guess there's a visual aesthetic that one might apply to the yoga world, right? I mean, if you yeah. in pop culture and just in the spiritual realms in general, you sort of have this aesthetic that you apply to it. And then you start talking about going to Alaska. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is coming at, a, at this from a completely different direction than I expected. Yeah, cool. And I like that, actually. I'm getting behind. And that's funny, you know, because I... 
it's a funny thing, this topic of self-worth, really, and it keeps coming up. And today I had an astrology meeting, and even she was like, all your work is in self-worth right now. And I was like, okay. But I look at this um, journey and so much of it just as about um, – at learning so much to put yourself out there more. And when I first started trying to get this published or find an agent, there was none of my story. It was what you oh. said you expected kind of, and okay. they were all like, yeah, we've already seen that. Like, tell us mm. your story. And I didn't have enough time to even think about the stories I put in there. They just like kind of came and then we were off to the race, you know, with yeah, the book. Yeah. And and even now I just got the paper copy like a week ago. And I'm really? like, Oh, it's brand oh my God, new. I, I mean, it's like hot off the press. Today. Oh, come on. Really? Oh, I <laughs> yes. didn't know. Okay. So I forget sometimes that I'm reading, you know, I'm reading it on a electronically most of the time. Copy, so, yes. okay. That, that makes sense. No. Wow. How exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. But they br brought me back into that to tell that. And now I see how, what the astrologer means to, to share those stories is actually feels quite vulnerable, but I yeah. do, I, it's really comforting and rewarding to hear that, that fear I'm facing in myself is actually really relatable for you. And that's what absolutely look, right? I mean, you that's know? what this show literally <laughs> turned into i didn't know what was going to happen and i just said look i want to talk to people about the things i care about and there's so many good people in this world doing things in a very kaleidoscopic way you know i don't know who they are or what they're doing or where they come from but i really want to know why like what is it that makes one person do something and share it versus a person who chooses not to um and so it was it turned into these stories and, you know, just these rich stories. And so, yeah, when I'm reading your book, that's I guess maybe that's part of what I'm attracted to is the story, you know, yeah, the lesson. Sure. But like it comes from somewhere and like this real human person who had the same fears, challenges, <laughs> hopes, dreams, all that stuff that we all have. And, and you were pulled into a path, you know, magnetized. I even think you used the word mag magnetic a few times. And I was like, oh, I love that. Just being magnetically pulled into something, you know. The path of ease, ideally, you know. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, yeah me too. That's what I, I want. I want to be that way all the time. <laughs> me too. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> I know. And that's the other thing, though. Like, I guess for me and maybe a lot of people, yoga there again, it goes back to what if you don't know a lot about it, you see, you hear the word and you think of the aesthetic and maybe what's in the culture on the surface level. But I was actually just in the last hour talking to my wife about your book. And I said, you know, I never really sat down until reading your book and looked at yoga as a path the same way I would Buddhism because I kind of fell into Buddhism more in my life and so when I'm thinking of numbers and things like that along the spiritual path I tend to lean towards okay there's this path and here's the things and I can associate them with that but I honestly the truth of the matter I never really looked at yoga that way I always thought of it as a, a phys only a physical 
practice. Practice, yeah. right. And so in your book, I was like, whoa, there's all these things, you know, virtue, space, mindfulness, awareness. These are, and I was like, okay, this is fascinating. I really never had, it's like I wanted to print it out and stick it on my wall, you know, so I could go, it's okay. It's the same. It's just a different variation and different people's hero stories, really, isn't it? Jesus with his compassion yeah. and Buddha with his very grounded still calm meditation practice for to get to peace different paths to peace and and yeah i think that's um i also have been very much drawn in the buddhist tradition more than anything else and i i think that's when i started realizing too so much of buddhism is about um the mind the four sufferings of the mind the four truths and how to calm that and the one thing buddhism the Buddha taught was meditation. Yeah. And then when I looked at yoga and I'm like, the definition of yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. Oh, there you go. Same saying, you know, like semantics, right? I mean, like, why are we calling it an egg and an orange or whatever? You know, like it's just all the same thing. But even with, I had an interview last week with someone who's deeply in the Kabbalah and just about even the same with the vessel and the light and the dark. I just think they're just different variations of the same story. And and I even hope the basis of this, the, this book show helps the reader to see that too, that it isn't esoteric or religious to me. It's very much open to all um, spiritual religions or sure you know come to it as a as something to practice i i've had conversations like that when i was sort of in a christian community several years ago and there you know and there were some that were receptive and others that weren't but i did find that when i brought buddhism into the conversation as something to do and not something to believe you know, and stripped it all the the culture off of it and just got right down into the stuff that just got right its hands in the dirt. You know, how does it yeah. deal with just real world stuff? You wouldn't know it's Buddhism. It's just good stuff to practice. And I, you know, when I when I bring it into the conversation that way, it was very palatable for everybody. You know, it seemed to be very accepted. But the minute culture got put on top of it and then religion got put back on top of it then i could see the apprehension it's a pretty fascinating thing to watch when you're really still talking in essence about how it affects human lives right i mean on this earth living breathing beings even as a holistic form of therapy you know even as a holistic practice like what are you really going to do to cure your anxiety I mean, if you don't want to take medicine, what are you really going to do to get in there and make that change? And to me, I don't know many tools that work besides meditation, which you could easily throw in the Buddhist bag, you know? And it's like, how are you not going to use this to even cure and help your mental illness or struggles, you know, that we all have? I loved uh, the part where you you were sharing about your experience with Vipassana. And the first, you know, retreat and I was, uh, I love how you walked through it with everybody. I mean, that's what I felt like. That was one of the parts where I felt like I was really there going, you, you, you started talking about being, coming aware of like the hairs on your nose, you know, the, the, the breeze just blowing across the hairs on your nose. And I was like, gosh, you know, I had another guest two years ago who he, he had went on a Vipassana retreat i had never heard of it before that time and you know he kind of shared 
to some degree how that changed his life, but we didn't really get off the cliff into it. And so you're, you added so much more context to that, like the struggle of it. You know, I was, that yes, was the part hell. that like you, you, I, I don't want to, I want people to read the book, but I got to tell you, there was something that <laughs> I laughed at myself when I was listening to you. Uh, through the when I, I listen to the books, through, I have a thing that reads them to me, so I can go walking and listen to them. And uh, I was listening to <laughs> you talk about the rules of the retreat and just watching everybody and going, "She did this," and it was frustrating <laughs> you, you know, like immensely. And I, I, I've often said this about myself. I was like, "Why can't I just let people have their fun? Like, why can't I just let them do?" What they're going to do. Why am I so worried about, you know, who's doing what? And I was like laughing because I was like, gosh, I have had these thoughts in, in on retreats. I've had these same thoughts like that dude don't get it. And I'm like, I'll fuss about it in my mind, but I won't willing to really say anything. And at some point on the retreat, you know, you work through it and it's like, oh, my gosh, you have to laugh at yourself. Yeah. But you just, really just want to project it out instead of focusing on you and all, you know, sometimes it's right. just easier to, I mean, and it's hard to get out of that, you know, even I still do it all the time. And I just laugh because, yeah, but in the book, it is pretty funny because like it's about a banana sometimes. Yeah. Like I am so been out of shape over this older Muslim lady who grabbed a banana, you know, and it was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's interesting what you just said. I mean, it's like the ego, because once once the structure starts to melt away, right, like this identity, maybe a little bit of who you think you are and what you've clinged to. It's interesting because it's almost like there's I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But it seems to me in my experience, it's like there's a sub program that's running that's like whoa 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 you're about to let me go you're about to you're you're on you're doing something that is gonna um really smash this identity and so it claws outward to other things but because it does not want to look at itself and it's like the way you just said that i mean like that banana it's like well let me look at anything else and just rabidly find anything that I can worry about, hate, care, be frustrated about, build anger, jealousy, whatever, to keep you from, like, melting all of that away and, like, really dealing with it. It's weird, man. Just being like, let that go, too. Like, really? You know, let it all just be as it is. I don't you know i wrote this from a channeled place but then 2020 happened and is still happening and <laughs> and i think yeah. so much of this you learn we've all learned that lesson in that this year that's what you might get at the end a snippet of this i guess but yeah. really what a year of great surrender and of ego bursting and all the things we've always done to not just distract ourselves but to distract ourselves and to chase and cling to pleasure and suddenly it was stripped right back down to the basics and to simplicity and to you know this everything like is this person you're living with the right person is what i'm doing the right thing is what i'm eating okay (laughs) like do i want to put my kid in school where do i want to live and should i be in this city you know everyone really stopped and re figured everything out and um 
Were you and writing the was... book at the time? Were you already in the book, like mid or like in traction on it when that when 2020 kind of came in, or did you start it post those things? I had the the basics of the yoga stuff that okay. I wanted to share and how the new system for seeing yoga. So a lot of the practices, how the practices fit in, and that basic um, thread. Yeah. of the yoga in it. And um, so I had that, but like I told you before, I didn't think anyone wanted to hear about me. Just another like white girl traveling around doing yoga. Like, come on, how boring is that? <laughs> but every, I went to different coaches and people to help me and they were just like, this is so boring. Can you put you in it? And then again, when it got to the publishing house, they said, yeah, can we just add a little bit more of your stories too? And then it became this and so those stories came in within a month and were just like, but, Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, but the rest of it, which is the hard part of it because it was just this crafted thing. Mm. I, it began as like a doc, like a research paper on intuition and yoga. That's where I was guided. And it was really scientific and a lot of figures. And then I was like layer by layer, it just became a little more, I don't know, more digestible, I well, guess. And yeah became what it is now it's been the craziest little manifest uh, metamorphosis i should say of a project <laughs> well there was something but, you were talking about in there that i wanted to share with you because i was like oh i can relate to this you were talking about dreams you know and the different types of dreams when we dream uh what what dreams are and you know a few weeks ago i had had this sort of reflection about that and i thought you know i'm gonna share this with her when we speak this evening because i think you'll probably appreciate this but i kept uh, last few weeks i have just been having these really rich lucid dreams full of detail and that happens from time to time go through a cycle where i have a bunch and then they'll just go away and I, i've been telling my wife i said you know i'm just they're they're textured i wake up and i'm like full of the information i like really want to remember them but there was one particular one with my grandfather now my grandfather passed away when i was in the eighth grade he had a heart attack in his sleep and he'd had a stroke before that a couple of years before that so it was like a rough run there after he had that stroke you know and I, I all the grandfathers in my life you know my dad's dad him and now my children's grandfathers and I, you know they're all gone they've all passed away and i told my wife I said for decades now i mean there's just been no grandfathers I didn't have any. My kids don't have any. And I thought, I told her, I said, it, it makes me wonder, like, what would, what would that have done to me had that person been there as I grew up and to be, to be a man and to also be like a second father in some way. And so when I had this dream, I was a little boy at my, and I was probably four or five years old. That's what it felt like because of the setting. But I was me. I was aware. Like I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I know that he's going to die. And so in my dream, I remember telling him like, hey, I need to tell you something. Like you need to believe that I am not five years old, that I actually am 47 years old and I, that you're going to die. But if you eat better and you know, you're going to you know, avoid all these things and you, you could live longer and you could change my life and your life and everybody's lives by just living. And so as I started to realize in the dream that I wasn't going to get to stay there, there was a point where I went, okay, I can't stay here, but maybe me telling him will have done something. 
And then it clicks to me. I was like, oh, wait, that's not going to happen. I'm dreaming. I can't change anything. This is a dream. And that's when I woke up. I, I sat with that for a little while on one of my morning walks. And I thought, okay, what what could this be, though? And so what I took from it was, hey, that's you telling you. Because I'm about his age right now when he started having those problems is that that's you telling you there are things you can do so that you can be present and you can live healthier and eat healthier and exercise more and just do all the things that you can do so you can be a present father figure. And so I told my wife, I said, you know, we we've lost so many of these men to heart problems. That's me telling me. And if I ignore this. This great lesson that this little boy is trying to tell me, then that's on me. I can actually change something. I can't change the past, but I can change the future. And I feel like when I was reading your book and you were talking about dreams, it's like this is the this sounds like what she's trying to say, like using your dreams as yo as a yoga, as a part of your spiritual practice, as wisdom, as a way to talk to you. Yeah, I'm in theoretically but also why not um in in real dreams also when you're sleeping would be the subconscious talking and a lot of the yoga nidra practice that is weaved in there really does help us get in touch with all of our inner psyche stuff which would be your inner child which would be why we do dream about these things during um our lives and have very i do think there's something to those vivid vivid dreams that definitely sounded like your inner child talking to the adult child saying hello yeah um like yes it's a natural worry you've experienced that that is your firsthand knowledge that was your guru speaking you know like that's the thing is making those quiet moments and even if that is rest and sleep even if we're unconscious but then we remember it that's uh, such an important thing to to guide your life with that information is like ding ding here's your purpose here's your meaning or here is going to help you get towards that i think you know yeah. and um and it might start with health things and then it might be and you know it could lead us anywhere right and um yeah yeah I taking that, a, an action you know like something pract- a practical applicable thing Sometimes I would say that in my personal journey, I've been guilty of having my head in the clouds, which is a nice place to be. And I, I always say that. I mean, I love I love to look up into the sky and have my head in the clouds. It's a wonderful place to be, to daydream and to envision things. Um, but if I linger too long, I forget to come down to earth and say, hey, what's going on right here in front of me, though? Like practicality, too, you know, something that's applicable to people in front of me, the environment in front of me. And so, yeah, to be able to find some kind of a bridge. And I I felt like you were talking about that. And I might be mistaken, but that was some of what I was taking away was like, you know, bridging that space between what you dream about, your hopes, what you want and bringing that, like making a that gap doesn't have to exist between this. Yes, two manifesting that as your reality. You're absolutely right. It is taking that dream and turning it into, and you know, I didn't really want to use the word manifestation because it's just like so surrounded with dollar signs and yeah, things you're like right. in you're so right. many ways. It's so cliche. And I'm like, it was kind of a fad for a while, but it, it is that. It is metamorphic. I, maybe I should say metamorph. 
metamorphosizing into your reality and by little baby steps like okay like that message that dream might feel big to you but if you make it into rituals like i'm going to cut out gluten and coffee let's see how we go right those are your two rituals and you're going to feel better and every day there's going to be this like your ritual of having your new diet calendar or whatever you're going to be like i'm healthier and yeah. that in itself is going to do wonders. The mind over matter. It doesn't so much matter about that calendar. But you know what yeah. I mean? It's that ritual behind it. It's the, the mindset you're putting behind it. The, all yes. of it. All your- you know, with one little thing. Yeah, little things it- that, that become like, a, like, yeah, and I love that too about your book. And that's the name of your book, Rituals of the Soul, right? I mean, building these little sacred things that could be ordinary to anybody else, but they're sacred to you. Like, like for instance, I'll give you a great example of something that's like that in my life. This I'll, you can see it. The audience could just see a little red string. It's around my wrist. I've, I, every year I go on a retreat and every year I tie a new red string around my wrist to remind myself that I'm between, I'm in the Bardo time between when i go again and i there's something yes, about that that just reminds me that i'm in a i'm in a cycle I'm, I'm moving through it what did i learn last year that i can apply this year and that i leave it there you know and it's like a a little holy binder for me and it's just a piece of string but <laughs> you know it's but, so funny you say that <laughs> because at one of my vipassanas not the one in the book but i did another one and i had that string but there's a rule you can't have that string uh, and i got it with the dalai lama and suddenly i was so attached to this string that you know like, oh. it's just a silly string. but even that has taught me lessons also that little string you know that little ritual but yeah. um it's a funny story but i mean different than what we where we were before but it just made me think like of all the ways you just have to come back to yourself but we all are in that bardo of becoming and i love that um that string reminds you of that Long-time Find the Good News listeners know that we often meander into topics on spirit, mysticism, religion, and wisdom traditions. If you are interested in these topics, I encourage you to seek out my new podcast, The Dawn Deacon with Brother Oren. On The Dawn Deacon Podcast, I consider my small place in the whole of creation, asking the old questions that have perplexed human beings for ages. Why are we here? Is there a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings? enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts. Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? On the Dawn Deacon podcast, I share the teachings, practices, and perspectives I have gathered as I've made my varied, sacred, ordinary way. I hope you'll join me at the Dawn Deacon podcast so that we can traverse this landscape together. Just search The Dawn Deacon with Brother Oren in your favorite podcast app or search engine, then subscribe. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, and like anybody, we're people, you know, and we, we're, I often think of it like a vacuum cleaner, like, you know, for, for a lot of my life or anybody's life, we're just running over the earth, sucking things up into this bag and you don't know what's in there all the time kicking around. And absolutely, a lot of what you are talking about in your book is helping you go through that stuff and look at it in another way. And so to have something to help me help you to touch a, a Dumbo's feather, you know, 
so I can fly. Yes. Just sometimes, then we we all. I mean, you know, there's times where you just go, I need something in front of me that's out front to remind me a ritual, a daily yeah. ritual of my soul, something that I can touch, see, practice that you can make a part of your being. Yeah, so you can like get grounded again. Yeah. The thing is, was we're, you know, and you can do it even like once a year. And um, for years, I did that too. I always did a meditation retreat to keep me fresh. And that's what Gwinka teaches in his Vipassana method. And, um, and, it, and it's a wonderful and, and we should all do that to learn that, you know, to, to get to constantly metamorphize into what we truly want. And we have to reconsider all those rituals all the time, too. Yes. Because I eventually love that. it just. Like you're clinging, like I was clinging to that little rope. Another time I went to, in Sri Lanka dirt after the first bits of COVID, I was like, I need my ritual. I need my retreat mm. now. So I called all, there's monasteries everywhere. So I went and was like, I'm, I need to come. And they, they were like, look, we would welcome you. You could come, but you're craving it so much. You know, this is, I'm not going to let you come. And wow. he sent me home. <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh, I always do. I think, and he said, do it every day. Do it with your kid. Don't run away from your kid to go do this. You do it here and now with your kid every day. And that's when suddenly I said, okay, I'm going to do, do it by breaths in the beginning, a hundred breaths. And I had to learn to integrate it, not run off and do it. But I mean, of course, running off and doing it is amazing because you get like a boost, you know, yeah, of yeah. practice and inspire. But also when we're clinging to that, our peace lives in that. Our peace doesn't live in that. Our peace lives in our choice to make that happen. I love that you're saying this right now. This actually happened to me this year in Talked about you. It's weird. I'm stepping over my tongue here because I'm really excited about this idea. What you're talking about, I, I really did go through this on my annual retreat, and I've been going to the same place for 25 years. I mean, every year, and I it had become so memorialized that it was almost to the point of superstition. I mean, really, like if I don't go to this place and do this thing while I'm on this retreat, it was, and it's one I've kind of made for myself, but I had turned it into a pilgrimage and it is till still to some degree. But this year I, I had this thought in my head when I went, I was like, I need to break this retreat this year. How can I go to these same places that I've touched so many times, how many times I've breathed the air and put my feet here or been on my knees here or put my eyes on a space and that's just it, just to look at it. How can I go to these same places and just completely either advance them or break them or experience them in a whole new way? And so this year, there were two places that I was able to do that. One is a lake I go to. And for years, I've been just going at the same time, watch the sun go down till it's completely dark. And this year, I brought a little boat with me, and I, I actually went out into the swamp that I've been looking at. I mean, it's like a mile and a half away, and I could just barely see it. I was so glad I did. I, I looked back at the shore, and there were people fishing on the shore. There were little specks, and I was like, wow, that's what I would look like from this I've, how many years have I never allowed myself to go into the actual bosom of this place? I've just yeah. stood here on the shore, and now I'm out here with all these creatures. 
and they're like, what is this person doing out here? You know, like I was in the midst of them and it was so much richer. It was like, wow, I've just haven't been drinking the full thing, but I thought I was because I had memorialized it to this point of no, no, I have to do it this way. And it just sounds like what you're saying. Like, no, I was rabid about it. I have to go at this time and be at this spot. Yes, you're going to trip because I think it's probably the next chapter. Like, you're going to keep reading the book. I mean, I hope. And then oh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going <laughs> to. The next chapter is that. It's me learn, like going to surf, being in a boat, moving away from land, learning wow. the ocean. I swear we're like on some that's kind of awesome. cosmic uh, okay. plane right now. But I probably would have read that and went like, oh, my God. That's exactly. You will. And you're going to be like, that was crazy. I even used that metaphor or whatever. Wow. But it really is like that. Like. Uh, just even I feel that in the ocean it's really taught me so much about the depths of myself as learning like we don't know a lot about the ocean but if I can learn to play in it and play in her energies and somewhere there's a big storm in Antarctica and that makes a wave that somehow lands on shore and I can like time that perfectly to write it you know like it makes me feel connected to that mysterious depth of the ocean and even by going out into the middle of the the elements into nature I mean that's what Alaska was for me it was just like so so much disassociation with society and all the things that keep us stuck on the shore and just yes a totally different perspective which is really all we can keep doing for ourselves is try not to get locked in perspective yeah. so this is how it is because those are just strong beliefs they're tension in your psyche you know like yeah i mean and beliefs, everything you're right i mean i think about belief <laughs> all the time like i i've almost stopped using the word honestly because i i almost Truly, I'm kind of afraid of it because I see belief as something very rigid sometimes. It's like, well, you must believe it, and then you run into it over and again and you just can cut your own head off. I mean, just you run so fast into a barbed wire fence. Yeah. And that's what I've started to see, and it, it causes us to hurt other people, uh, to not be yeah. flexible. And granted, yeah. I mean, I think some some kind of compass is good to guide you, but to have a rigid firm belief that is so fixed to me i've often said this that the only thing i believe is in change and mystery if i have to believe in something and you talked about change a lot in your book i was really refreshed refreshed by that you know that that's so important to be uh, with change allow change a part of it work with it it's always moving it's we're constantly in motion make us dizzy if we knew how fast the earth was spinning right now you know it's just yeah, we might as well just try to do our best to, to go along for the ride with as much float. And yeah, when you and were yeah, the- those beliefs are just so damning to the process. Like, even if I look at all the things I've said, like in college, I was like, I don't like the cold. I moved to Florida for three months, found myself in Alaska for 12 years. You know, where yeah. I was like, <laughs> I can't do social media left, moved to Bali, started my entire business on social media. (laughs) Yeah. It was almost like my ability to move past all the beliefs I had has led me to find the best suit for myself or to, you know, a life that really aligned with what I was loving and quit telling myself the beliefs that I just picked up through all my childhood. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. I mean, even that, I mean, what you just said there, that was an interesting thing too. And it kind of relates to your experiences that you share in the book, you know, like when you were talking about going to India, your expectation versus the reality, you know, yeah. and then having to 
come to terms with the reality and then then that acceptance of the reality and then finding <laughs> beauty in the re, in the acceptance it was like this whole layer cake because we i've done that so many times even going on retreat i've had years when i went on retreat with these high expectations and nothing occurs or nothing changes and i almost it'll bring you bring me down to a lower space than i was if i hadn't went at all you know like you and, feel like it's a waste of time you just told yourself yeah that that, <laughs> it was a waste of time and then yeah. you're like damn yeah, I wanted these results before I came out of this meditation retreat. I thought right. I was going to have seven whole minutes of gaps between my thoughts, and I don't. <laughs> Did you know? Right. That was or the-, the celebration thing lately. Oh my gosh, everyone's like, celebrate your book. I have been crying. Like I don't know why, but it's been this major release. It's been a cathartic process. This book and. This feels like a postpartum, like I birthed this child that now just doesn't even live with me anymore. She's out in the universe, you know, and I was like, I didn't had no idea there was going to be this fear for sure for so vulnerably sharing my story, but also that I like, who am I to think that I can share this yoga as this or my, you know, whatever. And yeah, it's just that. I really oh, do. Man. I mean, I have a small audience, uh, but my other podcast has an even smaller audience because it's <laughs> just me, you know? And I mean, all I'm doing is taking people on a walk with me and I just have some things I want to talk about. I try to keep a little notebook where I go, hey, there's something that's been in my head. I'll just talk about it. There's a lot of fear at first with that. I mean, even still, I mean, to just turn the microphone on and go, okay, I'm just going to talk. What I find is once I start, it's very much it's a lot easier but then i have to edit it and post it and listen to it again and that's when the fear kind of kicks back in and then i ask that that's when i ask myself what am i doing it for and that always helps right yes you know so what, am what I are doing you doing it for, it for? To, because i feel like there are some things that i've been through or that i'm currently going through and that I have a perspective that might be useful to someone, you know, not that I want any kind of clout or anything like that. I just hope that someone hears it and it's like, Hey, that might, that's something useful. It's a useful perspective. Very simple. And if I can keep it simple, I'll do it. But if I get where I'm worried about how I sound or what people are going to think of this, think of me, then I'm, then I'm governing it. I'm like trimming it mm-hmm. and manicuring yes. it for public consumption. And maybe it's better you know, raw honey, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, I I get that too. Even with my own podcast, I often just, I had to stop. I I do listen to it back, but it's so painful. So if I can, if I feel good enough about it, I just send it away. Yeah. (laughs) And I found that I don't want to read it back. And even I've read my book back a little bit, but I'm like, maybe I won't for a little bit, you know, and to just, um, put your craft and your gift out there as if you're on Mars and, and let the world do with it what they want. And um, I mean, I think that I'm sure that you are making that difference because it's, it's lovely sharing this conversation with you. And a lot of times it's hard to have these deep conversations on such soulful and uh, stuff, especially. So I mean, that's I'm one of the totally great gifts of, of <laughs> this and meeting people like you. And I'm sure through the work that you do, you meet people, too. And it's like that's that's a big help because it can feel um well, especially the the state of the world, there's just yeah. a lot of tension, I think, and maybe, yeah. I, and that could be just the signals I'm picking up, but 
it does feel very real. I mean, there's re- it's easy to say it's a feeling, but it's like there's very real things that are happening that are a result of of some of that tension. And yeah, I mean, you know, you're when you're raising children in that world and you want to provide a different perspective for them. Sometimes, even in your own community, you can feel a little bit isolated, a little bit like you're on this sort of flotilla with just Absolutely. a few small groups. And so that can yeah. be difficult. That can be difficult. That's why I like the one great thing about these technologies. I mean, especially communication technology. I mean, you and I can sit and have this space. And um, it's I love that it's the barrier goes down, you know, still yes. even even through video. And I think, through, you know, as the world has done this, I have gone into full isolation and I stopped showing up on anything for a while and it became incredibly lonely. And I've mm. since learned a lot about astrology and learned that I have a lot of Libra in my chart and that would make me very much into communication yeah. and spending time with others and relating. And that this is a very big part of why my soul is here. If you look at, you know, the astrology behind it, it would be to, to spread this um, information on spirituality and travel and philosophy, all of that in the ninth and 10 houses, you know, and it makes me just realize that, yes, this is actually a, an important part of me loving myself and, and, and doing it just as a gift and, and not letting the critical mind afterwards and all of that, post-production part of things like even i think that's why even the book maybe doesn't feel like a celebration yet because it's it's that part of it it's that keen discerning eye of what is now packaged and put out and you're like oh there's a typo though oh (laughs) yeah right right right. you know like oh it's just such a process and to to just learn to go with it every step of the way without that massive, <laughs> massive uh, yeah. meltdowns. I understand that. I know the, the the constant curating. I mean, it can be a bit much. I mean, you know, we live in influencer culture now. I mean, and that can be a toxic thing. I mean, it really can because it can consume people. This front facing, always on, and we're just not. I just don't believe that's how we're made. I just can't. When I see something that's all somebody that's always on and always manicured, I thought I always think there's of tension that there's these my grandpa used to always say this when I was a kid because he was a mechanically inclined man he always working on something and he was he loved simple machines and he would say the more complex the machine the more likelihood you're going to have problems with it and I tend to think sometimes about that front-facing culture that it can be a lot like that it's so complex and always moving and on and it's like okay that's so complicated there's got to be parts that are under tension that are going to need some repair yeah especially you know like what was it last week when facebook and instagram went down and whatsapp went down suddenly i just had this massive like blink of an eye that was like what what is your channels and even i've thought about it so much lately like i post so much on instagram to be honest but then i was like imagine if you moved all of that energy into a poetry book and it was out in six Mm, months yeah you know like what really is your medium going to be and love that medium so yours is like voice radio podcast like yes okay like it's so nice to know that though that this is really the the medium that um and and letting it not just be scrollable or algorithmable but like chosen and and how i was going to navigate through this and so i was just thinking like 
Yeah, I think that's really beautiful that you're you are here creating this, which is like a you're an in depth discussion. It's not just a quick post or a, another sales pitch or oh god, whatever you know, but an actual piece of art and um, a, a, a discussion that matters and and that matters. I think in, within your soul, but also for your purpose that you're here for most definitely. And that's what, that's Hopefully. what you're about, right? I mean, it really did feel that way to me that you were really, you want people to find that for themselves, like to really yeah. discover what that is for them. You know, it may not look like yours. It may not look like mine or anybody else's, but find it. And then in a way that's comfortable for them and using the tools that you've given or sharing to ritualize it to some degree. So they can always, get back to it and touch it and and work on it it's it's just a way of seeing all the water moving through like those toys you know you turn them upside down and then the water there's oil in them and it's Uh really just a way of seeing everything for me it was a way of seeing it all moving through and even you've said things today that reminded me of this and reminded me of the stages of I was moving through. So then you start to see, oh, this is a blockage. Oh, this is about spiritual belief. And this is, and you start to see how it's all working. You don't, uh, you don't question the divinity of it anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know what else? This is something that I thought when I was reading as like, you know, it's interesting is I like it whenever I'm going to bring up star Wars, this is going to sound like a real (laughs) stretch. So just bear with me. But star Wars was always good at, there being like environments, right? You have like the the Ewoks moon of Endor's forest, and then you have like the ice planet, and then you get the lava planet. And it was like always the environment was such a part of the story. When you were, again, just giving props to you for the way you told your stories, I felt that like, oh, the Alaska environment was very cold. I could like see it. Like it was so... um a part of it, you know, like, okay, the environment is definitely key to what's going on right now. And then at least that was my big takeaway. But then, you know, you move to India, Bali, when there was something about that was like a different temperature. It was a different environment. It was completely painted its own like uh, light temperature, so to speak. And I, and maybe that was just me doing that in my mind, but I thought, wow, it's interesting as she moves through these stories, how each one almost has like a different tone to it. I love it. I love the comparison. I mean, to be compared to Star Wars is like amazing, right? <laughs> I know that was like, a stretch. <laughs> yeah, I love it though. I mean, I think that's the only time anyone might say that about this. <laughs> so we're going to take it. But it's classic. But you know, that is how I work. That's how... I mean, every time there's been, you know, something I move, I change, I do that. And mm. I, I, I've i really dramatized that compared to what most people do. I think with travel, especially, I mean, it's been a big part of even, you know, at the end of the book, you can see that my relationship, my partner and husband and I have difficulties and it is because he's very grounded. He wants to stay home and I'm just always buzzing around and doing this and that. And, and then rather than, you know, being so upset about that, um, all learn to love that you know but it's it's a it was a fun way to throw yeah a bunch of different places and travel it's funny i read travel narratives for 12 years and then the other yesterday or whatever i was looking through and i was like i kind of it's kind of like half travel narrative I think, yeah yeah you know? a little bit i mean i actually you're right i mean it actually does make you want to kind of explore more those environments if not at those exact places but 
but something about that like the ocean i mean even that has its own weight to it you know and its own way it moves its own the isolation of it you know the the expanse of it so to speak and i mean that's just so different and be versus like the environment of a congested uh street in india you know or the again the cold isolation the you skiing between the trees you know in alaska i don't know there's other to me it was like we were moving through environments as well as learning something too so i thought that was kind of interesting yeah that i love that i mean that's what what my favorite genre to read for years was also was just hearing i always called it like an armchair uh journey you know like books that just show like paul thoreau just taking trains through all these countries and the people he met that was like my favorite thing to read so in the end of course that has inspired yeah um, this my first book and yeah thank you i'm glad you enjoy it well we trust people who've been through things right i mean you know you're what's nice is you're not just teaching something which there's so many books like that as, as you said at the beginning so many people that just teach you something but to have the person that is teaching you something also share where it's coming from for you personally, you know, them personally, you, you tend to, for me anyway, I tend to go, Oh, I believe this person. I, I have more confidence in what they're saying because they're sharing this vulnerable, yeah. you know, unfixed thing that they are working on and yes. are trying to re- repair. And uh, these are the tools they discovered along the way. I, I don't know. It gives it some context that's uh, usable, you know, relatable. Good. Good. I'm glad. I hope it, I hope that people find it as helpful as I have, even for myself. And yeah, I, I I just like to say it does feel more channeled. Like I, you said something earlier in the interview. I said this before too, and I'm not sure I like made it clear, but I was like, it was so clearly a message for me, and I just saw it. It's projected back, like the system. Even every edit I moved through, I found wisdom in it, and and to me, it's still so shocking that it's. Um, cause that wisdom really, I don't feel that that comes from me. I even am reading it as advice for myself on this, uh, believe in trust chapter right now. Cause I was like, you know, this is a hard emotional process. So I'm even reading my own words, but they don't even feel like mine. And so I hope that, you know, yeah. I, I know it's something bigger than me, you know, and, and the yeah. basis to it. And I know it's going to help heal. Um, I, I hope, I really hope it does. I like that. <laughs> you, know? you can go back and that's interesting. That. I've experienced what you're talking about and I know what you mean. Like you, you, you read something or you listen to something that you've done and it could be some time has passed, but then you listen to it and it's like, it's teaching you and you're going, wow, that came out of my mouth or I wrote it down or whatever, but it is actually something that has some sort of pure essence to it. That's useful because now I I need to hear it, you know, (laughs) and use it and revisit it and learn from it all over again. Yeah. Like, oh, that was definitely supposed to hit me. <laughs> that yeah. Cupid arrow right there was definitely coming right here. Yeah, 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 yes. for sure. <laughs> hey there, Good News listener. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed producing it. Now, it's time for the Fishing for Goodies segment, where I turn my interviewer role over to the Good News Fishbowl. Longtime listeners know that the Fishbowl contains over 400 unique questions, many seated by you, the listeners. Did you know that you could submit unique questions to the Fishbowl? That's right. Just call the Good News Hotline at 802-459-1668 to have your question added. You can also visit findthegood.news and send me an email. Now, 
let's take that dive into the fishbowl. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I don't know if you know um, about the end of this show. We do something at the end of this show for every guest. So I have this big fishbowl. I don't know if you can see it. It's got 400 questions in here. And with each guest, what I do is I draw three questions out and I ask them to you. I don't know what they are. And we'll just see how it goes. You game for something like that? Let's do all 400. Oh, my no. gosh. We'll no, be here a long kidding. time. Hey, some of them, I, I've, uh, I learned things, too. Like, sometimes I'll put the questions aside and go, I want to think about this for myself later, yeah. you know, because this oh, is a good amazing. question. Yeah, let's do it. All Sounds right, like right fun. on. All right, well, let me get the first one out here. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, this is a pretty, I don't know. This might be an easy question. It might not be. Um who had the most influence on you growing up? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, I'm going to say, I, I, and not that everything always refers back to the book, but it is a good time to do that. Um, <laughs> but in the book, I talk about a, um, my boyfriend when I was 21, oh, and he yes. passed away. Yes, And that had catapulted everything and to um, figuring out what, what the hell is really going on here on this earth and sleepless nights and diving into the occult and the mysterious and, and really needing to know, um, beyond what was earth. Wow. Yeah. No, what was happening. So that I think, um, yeah. And that opens up in the book, you know, that's the first story. And that has been what has catapulted this whole, um, experience into yoga. But even now I, you know, I'd say my relationships always are, I, I do have a lot of Libra tendency, but even my ex-husband also helped me find the depths that will help me be the Lotus rising mm. from it, you know, and God relate really to both of those things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up. I, I remember reading that in your book. I had a similar experience at the same age. Um, around 2021 with someone i won't dive off into it too far i've talked about it at length and and folks are probably sick of me talking about it but had an experience very similar with death and with someone and the same questions you know why are we here what is this life we're living and mysticism and and that death cracked open a door that really was the catapult as you so eloquently put that i mean it was someone's life was lost and someone that meant something to me and um yeah it was it was like an oddly enough i'm th- i know this sounds morbid to some but i'm thankful for that death and i i don't know that i would have lived the life i've lived without it you know, um, I don't know. It's Shame. a hard thing to really understand or even put words to because it can sound selfish. I uh, think you can only, only take that and grow from it and be grateful. Otherwise, what was the, it, you know, it doesn't feel like, I mean, that's what you want, isn't it? You want to yeah. make change in other people's lives. You want your death to have meaning and purpose and to move in how your, your greatest attributes to be soaked up by those who loved you and that's yeah. how you're going to ripple and yeah i mean yeah. i feel exactly the same i don't think it's morbid i and, and you could only hope that you can come to a place of gratitude for those you lose yeah that you can move past the sadness to to honor it and just love you know and mm-hmm. i'm sh- sure that's hard with very close first row i call them deaths it's so hard but 
um, yeah, that is what healing is. That's why we have to cry to get to the place of gratitude past all that trauma and pain with that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Beautiful. I'm so glad that, that was the first question. I'm glad. It, it, I, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, very powerful question. Okay, let's see what we got here. Hmm, okay. I'm curious about this too. So how do you find success and how will you know when you have it? Oh, well, my humanness and my soul teacher voice have very different things. Ah, yes. Okay. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) You know, so many years in business, I really like wanted to have financial goals. And if I hit that goal, but I was tying all that productivity into my worthiness and, and trying to prove my worthiness by being a high dollar, this or making that. And I set the standard for my own success. Mm. and often failed myself <laughs> okay I understand. and that sucked you know and then i did it again with my relationship that if this person chose me i was so chosen and i was so worthy and i was loved but without any person any romantic partner to choose me i i for i realized and through this past few years that i didn't feel so worthy anymore and being utterly alone was um, really quite difficult. And, you know, the realities of codependency and and once again, trying to find success and worth through something other than yourself. Yeah. So that's my journey now, I think, to be, to be boldly confident and to not truly care what anyone else has to say or to right. not even blink an eye about that. And to accept my sensitivity that that will probably never happen, actually, <laughs> and just yeah. more and more self-compassion. Just that's my idea of success is so much self-compassion that I never emotionally get freak out, you know, that I can emotionally regulate, that I can like yeah, yeah. just continue on this metamorphosis to become more at peace and to and to be more chill and to be a better, more mindful mother. Sure. I, gosh, I literally just had this conversation with my wife, the same thing. I said, you know, success in what, right? I mean, success in business, success as a father, success as a husband, success as a son, as a friend. I mean, when I go and really analyze those things, I could sit and make a laundry list of all the ways I failed you know, by whatever standard I'm setting up. And, you know, and and the reality is I'm probably not very good at any of those things. You know, I'm just not going to be great at them. I'm just okay. But I'm, what is the standard I'm holding it up against too? You know, I mean, I have no idea where that's even coming from. Is that a standard that I've made up? Is it a standard that I've vacuumed up from the world and adopted? I just don't know. So, Mm. I kept thinking about it as I was talking to her, you know, about something from the Dalai Ching where it says, you know, st- do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. And that's very, very hard to do to just go, hey, just do the work um, and step back and quit worrying about all this other stuff. You know, do you want to be a good friend? Don't worry about being a good friend. When a friend shows up and you feel they need you do the thing, step back. You know, do what, do the thing with your wife, do the thing with your mother, your children, and then just step back. Quit, quit worrying about whether you're good or bad at it. It's hard to do though. Yeah. That's the thinking mind just getting it. I mean, isn't that the thing? I mean, 
really, if we could really turn that down, yeah, be so much clearer. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> that's really distracting. Jumping back, I mean, that's something I thought was refreshing about your book. Again, was that when you talked about meditation. You know, and I've heard other people say this as well, and I thought it for a long time that meditation was muscling through your thoughts and just like arm wrestling them into submission. And then you're going to have quiet mind. You're just going to be like almost catatonic. And, you know, from my initial awakening experience to today, you're talking 25 plus years. That has not been my experience. It's like, no, I just I took a long time to learn to just go, no, I'm just going to sit with the mess. And yeah. like, just not get involved in it. Just watch it. And somebody said something. I read it in some book, and I can't remember where. But it was like said, your thoughts, this messy thoughts, they're they're coming over to your house, and they're just guests. But they don't have to stay. They come, and there's a time for them to be there, and you can see everybody who's there. But then they go home. Yeah. And you're left with your house. And that's how you need to that, that helped me, believe it or not, learn to meditate better because I was like, I, I could look at my thoughts without writing them, like latching myself to them and just writing them like a rocket. Yeah, I think we failed to talk about how long it does take <sighs> to let all those thoughts and that judgmental belief and system perspective to hang over everything. It takes so long before we just see everything with as loving awareness, as compassion, as it's coming, it's going, not why do you have to, you know, yeah. Yeah. Just the constant cycle of, of worry or tired and emotions and this, and like, just, this is what is, this is what is, this is what is now, this is what is now. And yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a quote somewhere in the book, um, but it's by um, Krishnamurti, and he says something about um, uh, when you s- just observe what it is, it, it trans- that and alone transforms it. Mm, yeah. You know, you don't just have to your do attention anything. To just sit with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, here you, it is. You actually... If you begin to understand what you are without trying to change it, then what you are undergoes a transformation by J- Jiddu Krishnamurti. And, um, and isn't that really what it is? Just, okay, so the thoughts are there, but it takes a while. That's why my first meditation intensive was so bad. That's why I was so wrecked, because I was like, it's going to be here in three hours. <laughs> yeah, 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 keeping tabs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How many hours has it been now? Yeah. Is it there yet? Is yeah. it there yet? The only when I was <laughs> I was in the army for a little while and I remember having when you were describing that experience that that's what it reminded me of because in the army the famous saying was hurry up and wait because you know you would be in sort of limbo a lot of the times never knowing when something was especially in the early part you know basic training things like that you're just waiting a lot of waiting and not knowing what's going on until someone shows up to just tell you where to go and so but but when you was when it was time to do something you had to hurry and move with a purpose but then you would wait again and just not never know and i can remember it reminded me so much of that what you were describing i was like god it's the same thing that was going on in my head back then just like bees in my brain what time is it when can't wait somebody say something 
something to give me some framework or grounding if I could just latch on to something. And it really was a lot of time inside your own head. And so, yeah, it was tons of waiting and lots of just it was very frustrating. Yeah. And meditation. Had I... <laughs> Any meditative practice probably would have helped back then, but I was so young. You know, I was 17 years old, so I had no, <laughs> had yeah, no clue I, what I was dealing with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of us. I mean, same. Absolutely. <laughs> drove, certain things had to drive us to get to this point yeah. of doing this practice, really. You That's know? right. Some catalyst. Yeah. And it's usually something quite painful or traumatic. And, That's true. Um, so you can't, yeah, force it. That's that's the thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> just it'll the the tools you need will appear when you need them. I mean, that's just, true too. And if we're yeah. looking, we'll see them or we'll miss them if we're not. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, but they, things come around, you know, in different ways. I often tell people, you know, the, let let the world, let life be your teacher. Like everything, just let it sort of speak to you. Just everything, whatever it is, it yeah. could be something horrible or something beautiful. But everything's trying to tell you something. Yeah. It is. So I like this question. I think I'm very curious to hear what you think about this. And I'm, I don't know. It's, somebody, it's been asked of a few guests. It's actually come out of the fishbowl before. So I'm curious. Services that should exist but don't. Is there a service that you think should exist but doesn't? Yeah. Like. <laughs> More Almost. public massage chairs. Oh, there you go. I always wonder about this question too. Different people have said different things, and I, I'm curious if you frame it through your work. Is mm -hmm. there something within the realm of the work that you do that you think you know more people should have access to this? Um, gosh, you know. I think there's so much out there. It's hard to even think of anything. There's, I mean, you're really kind of coming at that from a scarcity, you know, and it's like, it's all there. Yeah, that's it's a true. Big old universe, you know, and everyone, you know, might not be in the serving mode, but a lot of people are. Yeah. There, there's coaches for every niche of everything, of every detail, you know, so. That's true. You're right. We like, do live in a time of abundance, there is so much acts. There's so much food. There's so much water. There's so much. And yet it's all sort of convalesced in just specific areas. And it doesn't seem to bleed out to everyone. And it'd be nice if we could find a way to get those things to move and, and spread as just as negative things spread and overtake areas. If we could, get those good resources out to the to everywhere they need to be that that would be the real trick that would be well, the service right there and, well and you're a part of that i mean that is the collective and i was i you know i had an image during this call also as i was thinking like when we talked about the platforms and the way our media perspective you know the media mediums that we're using um like yours is voice radio podcast or um and you know now i have this book which is another but I wonder if there's going to be a new type of Facebook thing, but we can really share our art more and we can get more into like, like minded, you know, yeah. I don't know, something but I healthy. see something new <laughs> I mean, there. Yes. Something yeah. healthy. That's what I'm looking for. Any too. corporate dollars or, and there's no, no algorithm with Facebook ads and all that, you know, something 
with a good vibe like even when facebook went down maybe twitter like something new like that that we can really just share yeah it's strange because we were talking about this we work in communications and advertising and branding as our day job and you know i was telling my wife we were i said do you remember because that was when we first started dating each other because we both worked for two different advertising agencies and i said do you remember going to that luncheon when the guy was like there's this new thing out and it's called twitter and he was kind of telling us about it he was like on the front end of that stuff he had written a book about where things may be heading he's like y'all when y'all when you go back to your office today you guys need to sign up for this twitter and get your handle and all that and he was explaining it and so we did i went back and got my name and i actually really liked it back then i was like oh this is cool i mean it was a way to connect people and I could see how it worked really well and like especially in disasters, how people could use hashtags and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, this is positive. This is a positive communication tool. Yeah. And now I can't I personally can't stand going on there because it's like yeah. this huge vibration of just rage and negativity and and maybe it's just uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's a huge waterfall of just too much, is what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Well, maybe that was a bad comparison too, because I'm not even on Twitter. To be honest. But no, <laughs> but I like, mean, I just wh- something new that's that's not what I'm Facebook talking about. So yeah, there's like, what is that? Like even can, a conscious community thing. Like, and I thought kind of Patreon and some things have come in, and you'd hoped yeah. that they would work, but. I feel like nothing's really like I even I've tried that on Patreon. I'm just not quite sure where, but there, there does need to be some collective network for the more yeah. conscious things and the artists. And especially as we do, I mean, maybe it is Spotify in a way and where all the podcasts are like, this is a, a new world in advertising for sure. Yeah. And, and, and just, well, I even thought back when Instagram was new and then, you know, I was like, oh, because Twitter was kind of hitting that toxic stage around 2010 for me and then instagram was fairly new and then facebook bought instagram and then instagram has now turned into what it's turned into and i'm like man i guess that's what my point is is i hope that we can figure this out because i think each of these platforms are actually good tools they have the infrastructure is good like all the resources and the tools that are available to communicate but something yeah. seems to happen, and I don't know if it's when the advertisers get in. I don't know what it is, but something changes, and they just combust almost. Yeah, we do. They need become something. toxic. Yeah, there. Yeah. We have to find the happy medium of of healthy com- conscious communication, and and maybe it is just personal discipline. Maybe we just have to learn our own boundaries. That's why big boundary work is quite the fad these days, right? Yeah. And like yeah. everyone's all about this term. And um, but it's true because there are so many tempting, addictive little mind mind traps out there that uh, to truly to own your life you have to put strong boundaries in place with this and and get to know what you're what you're you really want to do with this like for me when i think about how much energy i'm putting into instagram versus like writing a poetry book it just became so clear like i'd I'd actually rather put out a poetry book than six months of instagram rants you know yeah for (laughs) real i'm I'm with you and i've been thinking some of the same thoughts i i do a lot of photography and I share a lot of it digitally, but this year I experimented with creating books, you know, actual printed books and mailing them to some people that were close to me that I've met online. You know what else I did? And you might really 
want to be a part of this is I actually started writing physical letters again to people. I was like, Hey, let's become actual pen pals. And Hey, look, okay. Yes. I love this. That. Is a, yes. I wrote this to my best friend. I'm staying at her house right now. Actually, Perfect. But yes. I think this is really um, probably your love language, right? If you've, if you've read that book um, about the five love languages, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, and, and that writing comes right from your heart chakra, like in traditional Chinese medicine or your um, heart meridian, I should say. And it's really a lot of love can come out from writing. And, um, you know, it's a really, to me, it's definitely my love language. And it's a beautiful way to show people you care and to gift it them. It really is. Love. They put things in the letters. I mean, it was like being back in time is what it started to feel like. It's like, oh, I've missed this so much. Like someone yeah. would put a feather, you know, and they live in New Mexico or someone lives in Colorado or, or another state. And it's like, oh, we don't have these birds here where I live. So, you know, but I'm by, I live by the coast so I can go get shells. And so I'll send seashells and I'm like, you know, this is, this is great. This is healing. And it's so, but, but it's so low impact in the, in the, in the, to the masses. Right. I mean, but it's this yeah. really deep dive personally. So yeah. I don't know. It's almost like a little tribal to some degree. I'm just saying, okay, maybe the circle needs to be for me anyway, maybe the circle yeah. needs to be smaller and more intimate. Um, yes. 20 or 30 yeah. people. How many people can you really realistically communicate with in a yeah. healthy way, a deep way? Yeah, I've, I've found that too, kind of limit simplifying that. The, the, um, yeah, don't have to overdo it by trying to have com communication or contact with everyone, you know, yeah. but really who's coming to mind to write that letter to right now? Write it when yeah, you feel yeah. that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Rather well, that's than great. So that came it. out of that question. Okay. So that's <laughs> cool. Those questions are great. I love how that fit. I always say the fishbowl provides, you know, it's yes, uh, such a good one. <laughs> so I've got one last question to ask you and I don't pull okay, it out of the fishbowl. I ask every guest this at the end of the show. And that question is, did anything good happen today? And I know something good happened because your book came out. <laughs> yes, that is the good thing. And yes, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a big day of surrender. I'm just putting out this new uh, work and oh, something that's so dear to me. And, and this conversation was absolutely lovely. I, I oh, just me, enjoyed I loved this it too. so much. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I, I'm, I never know. You know, I, I try not to go watch any other interviews that anybody's yeah. done because I don't want it to, uh, I guess, not pollute necessarily, but just pre uh, prejudge what we're going to talk about. So, yeah. yeah, it was really great. I mean, I, I love your book and to meet you is a pleasure. Honestly, it's yeah. an honor. I mean, it's so great to actually see you you know living and smiling and all that and kind of now put that in with my imagination as i finish the book so that's going to be really great good good let me know how, what you think at the end is there a place that the name of the book is rituals of the soul it's by new world library at the publisher yeah. uh yeah. is there a place that you prefer people to buy the book do you go to your website or do you have a a, a store that you point them to 
Um, you know, I, I don't have anything like that going. I honestly have been solo parenting with my kid and don't have a lot of these um, answers. But, you know, IndieBound um, supports your local independent bookstore. And so that would be um, kind of the most sustainable, coolest, definitely okay. hippest way to buy your book. But also it is a big help as a new author with a new book to buy it on Amazon and okay. leave a review afterwards. Yes. So both of okay. those get you good karma for yeah. whichever route you're going, whether you're going for uh, me or the trees, which I hate to be in competition with, the tree, with, um, you know, nature and, and sustainability with the, the independent bookstops, but either works. And, um, yeah, to, and, and, you know, something I've realized through this journey of putting out my first book is how important it is to go back and give people reviews, even if it is podcast or their books or anything, it's really such a way to reward them and to pay them back and give gratitude for, for these things. So if um, you are moved by the book and, and feel comfortable with it, I would love, you know, reviews after you read it. And, and I think for you as well with your, with your show, it's such a helpful thing. And we yeah. I just love hearing back from who's actually in it with us. Yes. You know? I actually there? agree with know. you so much. <laughs> I, I've often said that the podcast, unless you're a celebrity, the podcast world can be very, quiet you know people listen you can see them but they're just data i mean it's like numbers yeah. of downloads and numbers of plays and things like that but whenever you don't get that actual feedback especially with the like these conversations are so rich i mean we had this really rich conversation i i know that it's moving someone in some way um so yeah, when I would, when we do get comments and they're deep comments, I'm like, oh, it's so refreshing. It, it, yeah. It's motivating, honestly. That that's just the truth. It makes you want to do, do it some more. Yeah, and and you know, even I know that I listen to tons of podcasts and almost never comment. So I mean, I, I get Me how it works. <laughs> you know, even though we're behind the microphone, we still know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, why not pitch it now? That but that's great. I also have a lot of free meditations, meditation programs, self care programs. A lot of things happening on my website, which is Santosha Society. Yes. S a n t o s h a s o c i e t y. Thank you and, for mentioning um, also that. on the Instagram and uh, my name, Corey Hahn, I, I do do. That's my main um, platform for now is probably Instagram and, and trying to get more active everywhere else. But yeah, hopefully I'll just put links to all of that too in the show okay. notes. So the listeners, they should you. be able to go by the book and visit your website and follow you on social media right from there. Yeah, great. But Thank leave you a so comment, guys. That. Leave a leave a review and a comment. That's that's for yes. on the book and the podcast <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been an absolute treat. Yes. Thank you. Same. I'm more thankful every moment that I found. Thanks for listening to my Beacon Series conversation with Corey Hahn. If you'd like to learn more about Corey's work, please visit the link in the show notes. If you found something of use in this conversation, please share this episode with a friend, leave a review, or consider visiting findthegood.news donate, where you can help me continue this good news mission from the Louisiana Gulf Coast. I thank you for pressing play and for syncing up with this good news beacon.